Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and joining me for the entirety of the NFL season, none other than the king of content, the high septum of soaps, the podcast power listener, and long-suffering Cowboys fan, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman. And Matt, today we are talking about your favorite betting item, player props. And so to join us on Predicting the Future, we bring on a man who knows everything about predictions, Action Network's Director of Predictive Analysis, Sean Kerner. Sean, Matt, how are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm just excited to finally be on a pod with Matthew Friedman. I just can't wait. It's truly an honor and a privilege to get to do so. Yeah, everyone who gets on a pod with me, uh, their life is made better. Uh, But I will say, uh, Tom, you didn't pronounce Sean's last name correctly. It's it's not Kerner, it's Corner. He, exactly. He doesn't know this, but uh, he has been mispronouncing his last name ever since I, I left the Action Network. See, you can't mess <laughs> me up on this because we literally, before you joined us a little late, might I add, on the pod today, the first question I had was, how do you pronounce your last name? And now I know for a fact you messed it up, but now I'm worried that I also messed it up, Doc. <laughs> No, no, no. It's, you were right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and Sean should be uh, very embarrassed about this uh, for being so meek. Uh, but for years, he let me mispronounce his last name. And he never bothered to say, hey, Matt, here's how you pronounce my last name. It's not corner. It's Kerner. And by the way, when I say Kerner, I'm still not even sure that I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> how, Sean, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Kerner. And um, Raybon can vouch for this very first pod. Uh, I said, oh, Matt, it's actually Kerner. And you just went with Corner anyway. <laughs> so I just didn't keep correcting you. And that's, I guess that's what happened with like Travis Kelsey. Apparently it's Kells. He just didn't want to keep correcting people. So he just went with it. That, that can't possibly be right. Like we, neither brother corrected us on that. Correct. Yeah. It's Ro- Romeo Dubs, Dobbs, same thing. Like Nevada, they would call him Dubs every. Uh, broadcasts and someone finally asked him how do you pronounce it and he said it's Dobbs so it's similar like I've gotten used to it most people pronounce my last name corner um so instead of just constantly going it's Kerner it's Kerner I just tell them once and that's it move on that's All the right. thing I love about my last name people go Viola or Viola and I'm like it literally doesn't matter <laughs> Americans say Viola and then if you're in Italy they all say Viola so I'm like both are technically right and I just roll with right it. All right, well, exactly. Matthew, Matthew Friedman is on a mission <laughs> to make sure that everyone in the world now knows how to pronounce Sean Corner's last name correctly, okay? All right, it's Corner. <laughs> All right, Fr- All right Friedman. All right. Guys, let's get into the show here. Enough horsing around. Guys, The first, we're talking player props today. And so the first question that I want to ask you guys is what is the process like? Both of you are masters of the art of projection. And when you're running these projections for your player props, how are you going about it? How are you coming up with these numbers that you get? Is it going through models? Is it that you're just eyeballing previous stats and data and looking at what you think their season is going to play out as? How does the scientific process get started here? Sean, we'll start with you. Yeah, so it's a lot of math involved, a lot of different ways. I'm not going to tell you everything, but just in general, Um, I am projecting like a week's worth of data, like a a week of games. Um, That way I can kind of see if everything fits. Um, So I'm not going to be projecting the the Rams for 5,000 passing yards and only giving like 4,500 out to the rest of the team. I'm trying to, you know, project everything at a high level and down and sort of how it's going to allocate across the team. So 
I mean, just going just at a bare bones level, I'm factoring in a lot of regression from, you know, the year before regressing in the mean, looking where players are getting their touches, where they're getting their targets um, and just doing a lot of math things, but also using my, you know, my knowledge, my expertise in NFL to kind of like blend it all together. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a mixture of both, you know, my models and just my expertise at the same time. So, yeah. So, so it's a combination here of yeah. that expertise, but then you all are, are also picking out models, picking out an algorithm that you want to use and kind of modeling it all through that. Yeah, and just knowing uh, for every player, every player is different, the range of outcomes and what you're trying to accomplish um, d- dictates what projections I would use. So if, if we're talking about season-long player props, um, you know, total like passing yards over under 4,000 passing yards, I'm going to be focusing on his median projection. Whereas if you're focusing on a market like most passing yards, I'm going to be focusing on their ceiling and, you know, they're the high end of the range of outcomes. So um, I, I'm kind of juggling both at the same time. And depending on what I'm trying to accomplish dictates what type of projections I'm using. Matt, how about you? Is there a crystal ball for the Oracle? Uh, no, I'm a moron when it comes to projections and, and Sean can vouch for this. It's not to say that my projections are awful for the purposes of, uh, for doing props, because what I did find was that even though my projections, if I turned them into rankings for fantasy, uh, they weren't as good for that. They were still directionally correct a lot of the time when it came to going into the prop market and seeing if there was value on something. So as Sean said, I think it depends uh, on what you're using your projections for. Uh, but Sean's top-down approach, that is very much how I uh, did projections. I normally don't do projections anymore, but uh, this, and I'd like to get Sean's thoughts on this. I think this is a weird year for the prop market. And so, uh, and I'll just kind of put my my thesis out there, what I've seen. For the past five years, you've been able to look at a sharp projection set, whether it's Sean's, whether it's you know someone like Mike Clay at ESPN, whoever it is that you trust to do projections. You've been able to look at their projections, compare it to the props in the market, the season-long props, and see a ton of unders that you would be able to bet. And this year, it's pretty different. A lot of sharp data sets have projections that are now pointing to the over. It's as if the books did their normal thing of creating projections and then cut like 20% off of what they would normally have and then released those lines. So there, like, there aren't nearly as many under bets uh, just based on consulting projections as there normally are. And when I saw that, I thought like, okay, I don't really want to make projections, but this year I'm just going to do like a very quick and crude uh, set of projections to see if like I'm able to replicate some of the things that I'm seeing uh, from other people who actually put a lot of time into their projections. And like, sure enough, yeah, like my projections were pretty much in line with them. And it seems as if the books have wisened up this year. Sean, have you noticed, have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The the lines are a lot sharper now. Um, and I think part of it is the extra game involved. Um, you know, the, the league going to 17 games for each team um, definitely shook things up where uh, the other thing I forgot to mention is when it comes to season long projections, you want to factor in like how many games are expected to miss. So, for example, like quarterbacks, it's typically around one game. Um, it, and then there's also the job security. If a guy like Baker Mayfield doesn't have a lock on the number one job. You might lower that a little bit, but um, running backs, it's closer to two games, wide receiver one. Um, and that probably doesn't change as much 
just because they're adding a game. So I think you are going to see just players' outputs go up based on the one game. So that's been something I've had to juggle, and it does look like the books kind of balance that out. So, yeah, you don't see as much value on the unders, which is unfortunate because that's that's where all the value used to be because there's so many outs um, for the under the hit, whether it's an injury, a suspension, a player, you know, losing playing time. There was way more outs for, you know, the under to hit as opposed to the over. So I think the books understood that and the, the lines are a lot sharper now. Because that was that was actually going to be my question after Matt, but you already mentioned it about the fact that now that we've seen a season of 17 games, is it that the numbers are being skewed in that direction? But it's just that in general, the lines are getting sharper. The books are yeah. finding some X factor here to put out a better line than they were before. Plus, also, player props are getting way more popular, so there's just more volume coming in on it, and that's how you know the lines get sharper. So I just think the increase in action has helped the books you know, kind of figure out where the line should be. Um, I still think they're going to be taking way more money on the overs. Um, so I think in general, we still want to target unders, but just in general, the, the, the market is a lot sharper this year. Now, do you think that, and this is going off in the lead weeds a little bit here, but do you think that that could in part have to do with the kind of new advent that we've been seeing of that fusion of daily fantasy and prop betting where you're seeing some of these companies like a prize picks that put out, uh, that, that put out these static prop lines now in markets that otherwise would not have lines like this to bet on. Is that providing an extra level of information here with that market as well? Or do you think that that's not really something that's playing a factor? Uh, it's, it's all inclusive. It's just an extra market that's out there, extra lines to compare to. Um, so I think all of these moving parts are what is making the market more efficient. Want to track all of your wagers in one place? Check out the Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit and which miss and gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we have to offer at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. Now, my next question for you guys here is, how far off does a number have to be from uh, does a line have to be from your number for you to see value in it? Like at what point do you start questioning your own predictions versus the book? Is that just a case of okay, if all of my numbers are off now I'm starting to maybe reevaluate my system and what for you makes you go I'm going to fire away on one of these bets, Matt? Well, so you can look at it just in terms of percentage and I would say like I want a lot of my lines to be a lot of my projections to be relatively in line with what I see in the market so that I know I'm not way off on everything. But then, you know, you have your sense of certain players, even when you're doing your projections, you can probably sense based on what you're inputting, like, all right, I'm imagining I'm going to end up being low relative to the market on this guy. Uh, and then when you see that in the market, I guess maybe it's a little bit of confirmation bias, but um I think if there's still sufficient value there. So I would say, you know, 10%, if you're 10% off, then that's in the range where you probably want to start betting it, uh, especially if it's 10% to the downside. Uh, you know, I think the direction in which you're going is also part of it. But um, yeah, I think 10%. How about you, Sean? Yeah, like the 10% rule seems fair to me. And I think honestly, it's going to come down to a case by case basis. This goes back to what I was saying when it comes to just the range of outcomes. Um, if it's a guy like Keenan Allen who will 
probably get 100 catches for 1,200 yards and six touchdowns exactly again this year for the fourth year in a row. Um, if I'm off, you know, by a touchdown on him or 100 yards, I would consider locking that in compared to 100 yards off or a touchdown off of a rookie where they're going to have a much wider range of outcomes. So I think it depends on specifically on the player and how confident I feel I am in my projections. Now we're going to talk about some of those actual predictions, uh, predictions and some picks here in a few minutes. But I have one more question before you before we get into that, and it specifically has to deal with Cooper Cup. Not necessarily saying how is he going to follow last year's campaign, but you look at those numbers and his totals are astronomical: eleven and a half touchdowns, one hundred and eleven and a half receptions, thirteen hundred receiving yards. Uh, all are obviously numbers he cleared last year. But when you're dealing with a player who had such a phenomenal record-breaking season, how much do you factor in regression when a player's numbers are this high? And do you look to the under market on these guys? Or are you still looking at overs when it comes to some of these numbers that, let's face it, even if he does regress a decent amount, a guy like Cooper Cup still has a chance to hit those numbers. But then on the other hand, the unders have, like you said, many more outs. How are you factoring these things in when it's a guy who had such a phenomenal year the year before and is coming off of that? Um, yeah, so again, it's case-by-case case basis when it comes to Cooper Cup. Um, I'm staying away from his market. Uh, it looks like his his over-under for yards is around 1,300, which sounds about right. I think with him, you have to factor in, is anything different heading into this year? And with him, the answer is no. I mean, they still have Matt Stafford under center. They still have Sean McVay as a head coach. Um, they're replacing the Robert Woods, Odell Beckham, number two wide receiver role with Allen Robinson. So you could argue that's pretty much a lateral move. Uh, so there really isn't that much different going into this season. Um, obviously, I'm going to factor in regression. It's impossible for a player, even Cooper Cup himself, to probably replicate last season's numbers. You, you have to figure that defenses are going to have all offseason to watch film and think of ways to potentially slow him down. So I'm definitely factoring in some regression but with a player like him um you got to be careful because i mean it, just he and matthew stafford have such a mind meld that it's scary to think about what they'll do in year two once they have even more chemistry so with him you know I, i'm factoring regression but not as much as you would think um but I, i'm pretty much in line with the market so a player like him i'm going to stay away from you know one of my favorite sayings a great sports book director out here in vegas once told me the advantage betters have over the book is that the book has to put out a line on every on every event. The better doesn't have to take a number. Sometimes walking away is the best bet that you can make. Matt, how about you? How are you dealing with regression when looking at a player with a season like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Sean said you uh, you have to bake regression into it, but uh, I'm I don't know I'm I'm sort of torn. I'm going in two different directions with some of my projections for Cooper Cup. So on the one hand. Uh, I am projecting him for over the number that's in the market, like 1,300, 13 and a half. I'm projecting him for closer to 1,400, 14 and a half. That said, like, I'm not betting the over, you know, like I'm just, I'm not going to do it, but like, I'm also not going to bet the under on it because it's, it's Cooper Cup. He was awesome last year. And as Sean said, not all that much for him has changed in terms of the, the targets that we could project to go his direction. Um, but one thing that has changed, I do think, and I'll just say like touchdowns for me, I am yeah. betting the under on his touchdown total, um, 11 and a half. That is a really high number. That's the highest number out there in the market. I am projected for 10.7 and touchdowns are variable. 
And I think even if the target share stays the same, that doesn't mean he's going to get as many long touchdowns and as many targets inside the 10 yard line. Um, the addition of wide receiver, Allen Robinson, that could take targets away from him uh, in the end zone and in the red zone and also possible maturation of third year wide receiver Van Jefferson, who like wasn't bad last year and, and could get better this year. Uh, and, you know, maybe the offense just takes a little step back, even though I would think that Matthew Stafford still plays well. Right. I don't think the elbow injury is a big issue, but he could still play well and the offense could still take a little bit of a step back this year. So, uh, I mean, Cooper Cup, league high career high 16 touchdowns last year in the four seasons before that he averaged six like i will i will take the under on that if you give me the highest touchdown total on the board i think that's really fair i'm the same way with this entire rams team i'm of completely two minds i distill it all down to the fact that matthew stafford led the two quarterbacks led the league in interceptions last year with 17 stafford and lawrence talk about variable (laughs) of outcomes right there and on the one hand, you're not going to win a Super Bowl two years in a row leading the league in interceptions. But on the other hand, is Stafford going to lead the league in interceptions again because he's probably going to regress from that number? So I'm right there with you on not having too much of an answer and saying that sometimes the answer with these guys coming off these record years is to just stay away. And guys, we're going to get into some predictions now. But first, just want to remind you, we've teamed up with Run Your Pool to bring you listeners an awesome new contest for the season. To get in on the action, click the link in the description below or head to play.runyourpool.com slash bettingpros. Sign up and you can start making your your picks for week one. We will be keeping track of the leaders week to week. And in addition to bragging rights against Matt and myself, the top three winners of this Pick'em contest are going to receive $300 in Fanatics gift cards. 150 to first, 100 to second, and 50 to third. So go sign up today and get ready for week one. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game matter more. RYP offers every type of game under the sun from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. Get your crew together this season at RYP in a Pick'em Contest Survivor Pool. They even have squares and margin pools you can use. So check them out at runyourpool.com today and sign up and compete with Matt and myself as well in our Pick'em Contest. Matt, you are going down, but right now... We're going to be picking out some of your favorite player props. Guys, I'm going to start off with you, Matt. What is one of your top five props for the season? Okay, well, I will say that I know Sean has a prop that is correlated going the opposite direction (laughs) with this one. And I'm picking this just because I know that Sean is doing that. Uh, But it's in the running to be one of my top five. And I'm going Sky Moore under 680 and a half yards receiving. Uh, I have this projected for 658. Uh, you can get it at DraftKings minus 115. So I'm not like all that far off. It's just like in my projections, I know that mine are skewing high. So the ones where I am under, like that's a, a pretty clear sign of where I'm seeing value. Um, I would not have uh, anticipated before we saw preseason games that I would be betting the under on Sky Moore's yardage total. And I think he has a world of upside, which Sean is going to touch on. But to this point in the preseason, Moore has been behind Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Miko Hardman, and Justin Watson. Like the fact that he's behind Justin Watson, that is really what blew my mind uh, when that we saw uh, in week one. Uh, Hardman, 
played with the first team. Watson played a little bit with the first team. Uh, we didn't see that at all for Sky Moore. And then in week two, Juju was out. Hardman was out. Watson was getting more run with the first team than uh, we saw from Sky Moore. So it's not to say that Watson and Hardman will stay ahead of him for the entire season. I imagine that at some point he overtakes them. He has the talent to do it. But I think that it won't happen early enough in the season for him to hit the over based on how we have seen the team use Hardman and Watson so far. Matt, hang on a second here. I'm getting I'm getting a request to uh, join the show from Derek Brown to come on and just absolutely yell at you for the Sky Moore slander. I'm going to turn him down, but instead I'm going to turn to you, Sean. Can you make the case the other way? I know that's one of your favorites. Yeah, so uh, when it comes to Sky Moore, um, he's one of those players. I have a wide range of outcomes for him. So I could take Freeman's point about his median, um, you know, taking the under there. Because uh, he does have a wide range of outcomes, but I do like him in the market for most receiving yards by a rookie at twelve to one, uh, because this was one of my favorite landing spots um, of all of the rookie wide receivers in the first couple rounds. Um, there's going to be a ton of targets up for grabs with Tyreek Hill gone. Uh, Patrick Holmes is still going to throw for a ton of yards this year, so it's going to have to go somewhere. Um, and Sky's been getting rave reviews all camp. I, I haven't been too impressed from what I've seen in preseason. But he's been seeing a couple deep shots here and there from Patrick Mahomes, and that's what I was looking for. But when it comes to the rookie wide receivers, you know, guys like Drake London, Chris Olave, maybe even Garrett Wilson, I would consider have a higher floor. So I'm projecting them for, for more yards heading into the season. But when it comes to a ceiling, I think Sky Moore has one of the higher ceilings, just considering he's going to be on a passing offense that averages 30, maybe 50 yards more than any one of those wide receivers. So there's going to be more yards up for grabs. And the AFC West is going to see a ton of shootouts this year. Um, so Sky Moore is a player who his, you know, his ceiling is going to be much higher than the, the other guys I mentioned. So um, getting him at 12 to one, I think is, is a steal, um, but I'm not going to touch his median, his odds of 680 yards. I think that's fair to where, you know, it could go either way. But in terms of ceiling, I love getting him at 12 to one. And, and I, I do, I do like what Sean said there. Cause I, I agree at 12 to one. I think that the ceiling case offers value there, given the landing spot, given his talent, the second round pedigree and the situations also with some of the rookies in this class where, you know, Garrett Wilson, uh, he looks like he's playing behind some other guys right now. Right. Traylon Burks. I mean, like I'll, I'm going to talk about him later. That's, that's what <laughs> we call a tease in the business. Um, but yeah, some of these rookies I'm not really impressed with. So getting the yeah. upside with uh, 12 to one with Sky Moore, I actually do like that, even though in the median, I'm going under on his yardage total. All right, Sean, we're going to go back to you here since we started out with Matt. Give me prop number two. Uh, so I love Amon Ross St. Brown under five and a half receiving touchdowns. Um, you know, last season as a rookie, he scored five touchdowns on 90 receptions. That was a five and a half percent touchdown rate. Um, and using the implied odds by the sports book, um, they're projecting him for five and a half touchdowns on 78 and a half receptions. That's a 7% touchdown rate. Um, and I'm not sure we can expect Amon Ra's touchdown rate to jump up that much, especially when you consider the type of wide receiver he is. You know, he's going to be Jared Goff's number one target moving the ball down the field. But once they get near the goal line, um, he falls down the pecking order quite a bit um, in terms of targets. Just looking at his... 119 targets last year only four of them were in the end zone 
And those are the most predictive um, type of target when it comes to receiving touchdowns. So it, typically you would expect a guy with four end zone targets on 119 targets total uh, to score about 3.8 touchdowns. So you could argue he actually got lucky scoring five last year. So um, heading into this season with DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson back to 100% health um, with DJ Chark, potentially Jamison Williams down the road. Um, he's going to have a lot more um, you know, competition when it comes to targets. So that's why the market is projecting him for about 14 less receptions this year. Um, but, you know, they're projecting for a half more touchdown, which doesn't make sense. So this is a market I like to take advantage of. Amal Ronse Brown, even though I do like him heading into the season, I love him in fantasy. I think he's a high floor guy. But when it comes to touchdown output, uh, I don't see him, you know, clearing six or more touchdowns more than 50% of the time. I, I'm very surprised by the bold decision to pick that prop and also pick your choice of headgear for this yeah. episode. I want to make it clear that I still like the guy. Again, I still like him in fantasy. He's a high floor guy. But just when it comes to this specific market, I'm a little bit bearish on. I just want to make that clear with my hat choice. See, I, I figured you were just really hyped by uh, by the Lions' appearance on their new HBO show. I, for one, I'm very confused as to how the writing is going to go, but I'm excited to see how Dan Campbell ascends to the Iron Throne. Matt, what is your next player prop here? Okay, a little bit torn. I have two quarterback props that I'm deciding between, and I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill under 3,600.5 yards passing. I have him projected closer for 3,300, and I think some of this just comes down to uh, a couple of things. I'm a little more optimistic uh, that we see Malik Willis uh, play earlier in the season than maybe uh, is taken into account by the market. And uh, then the, the strength of schedule. Like, the Titans have a tough schedule. Like, that's what happens when you are the number one seed in the playoffs. Um, but it, it really is just brutal. And I'm projecting them to go under their win total of nine and a half. Uh, the, the Titans, they can get out of Tannehill's contract next season with relatively little pain. Uh, and then they drafted Malik Willis in the third round. So you put all of that together. And, and by the way, I will do the shameless plug. I have a, a piece at betting pros that uh, looks at the schedule. Uh, and so uh, kind of analyzes where in the schedule is really tough for the Titans. I also have a piece that projects out my win total. So check both of those out at betting pros if you want more uh, on the Titans. But uh, I will say that given all of that, uh, I think it is likely that at some point we see Tannehill uh, take take a seat on the bench and we see Malik Willis end up getting some run, especially because even though Willis has been, uh, I think he's been raw in the, the preseason, he has flashed pretty significantly. Uh, and so I'm just going to say that Tannehill, uh, I don't think he makes it through the entire season. And even if he does, the Titans are likely to have a run-heavy offense anyway. So I think there's also that additional out. They traded away A.J. Brown, bringing in Traylon Burks. Again, that's another tease. going to talk about him later. Bringing in Traylon Burks is not going to replace the passing production that is lost from A.J. Brown. So even if Tannehill does play the entire season, there's still a chance that he doesn't hit 3,600 passing yards so uh i like the under here for a number of reasons sean matt can't buy a tana thrill i want to give you the option to comment before we move on to his next pick here uh, i kind of like this one and uh i'm i'm not going out of my way to say that Tannehill's going to get benched for willis uh, i'm assuming he's going to play the entire season and i could see a path for the under because as freeman mentioned 
they traded away AJ Brown um, and they drafted Traylon Burks to essentially replace him or at least try to. Um, and his stock has been dropping a ton heading into the season. So the fact that, you know, Burks won't even come close to AJ Brown is kind of why I do like this under. So I could see them leaning on Derrick Henry at least for one more good season. We're going to get one more good season, Freeman, out of Derrick Henry. Um, so I, I do like this under as well. And again, this is the thing with unders. There is the out that the Titans kind of flop. You know, they're losing anyway, so might as well bring in Malik Willis. I kind of do like that angle. Is this a potential out? But either way, I think with Traylon Burks sort of being a flop early in his career, like that's going to hurt Brandon Tannehill off the bat. Matt, what is your prop number three? No, we got to go with Sean. No, it's a snake draft. <laughs> it is a snake draft. It's a snake draft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I will. Well, how many has Sean done? He's done two. one. So he'll do. You've done two? I yeah. piggybacked your Sky Moore under with my uh, lead the whole rookie class in receiving yards. And then what was the other one? Uh, Amon Rice, Saint, Amon, Amon Ross, Saint Brown. Brown. I I yeah. totally spaced out while you were doing that because I was trying. To, I, I'm, I'm bad. Let's just cut this out. <laughs> we'll leave it in. So no, no, we are how leaving this. We are leaving this in here. Do not question my hosting here. I, Give I us your next pick. I don't, I don't question the hosting. Okay, all right. My next one: Austin Eckler under. Uh, eight and a half touchdowns rushing. I have this at 7.7. Uh, DraftKings minus 115 odds. Last year, Eckler scored 12 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, in his four NFL seasons before that, Eckler had never scored more than three. Now, obviously, for a chunk of that time, he was back up to Melvin Gordon, who you know was a, a goal line hog. But Eckler is almost certain to have fewer than the career high 206 carries he had last year. Uh, and with that decline in usage, I think we're going to see a diminishment in scoring opportunities. I mean, this honestly is, is one of my favorite bets uh, of the year because I think it could hit in a variety of ways. Uh, maybe the team just wants to try to keep Eckler a little bit healthier and they don't use him in short yardage situations as much. They just drafted Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round you know, a bigger bodied guy who's younger, who could handle a little more of that grind between the tackles. Uh, or maybe they just use Eckler a little bit less in the running game. However it is, uh, I mean, you know, eight and a half for a guy who is as small as Eckler is and who's gone over this number just once in five years, that feels like a pretty high number. All right. I mean, I can't really disagree with you. I think the regression monster is always prone to hit. The only thing going against you there is that Austin Eckler is, in fact, an anagram for Ukraine steel. Sean, now you are up. What are you thinking? Uh, I like Justin Fields over 500 and a half rushing yards. Um, this is probably one of the few unders, actually, or overs I like on the season. Uh, I just think this has a really high floor because if you think about it, he rushed for 420 yards in just 10 games as a rookie last season. 351 of those yards came off of scrambles. Those are the most sticky type of, you know, rushing production from a quarterback. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're going to anticipate him scrambling just as much this year behind a terrible offensive line. The wide receiver room is even worse this year, if you could believe it. Um, so he's going to be running for his life back there. That only helps this prop. Plus, it looks like the new Bears coaching staff is working on more design runs uh, for Fields this year, which we didn't see much of last year. Like I just mentioned, a lot of his rushing yards last year, rough of scramble. So if we see any sort of increase in design runs, that's going to help his floor and ceiling in this market. Uh, and if you look at his first three starts, he was a bit of a disaster. He only averaged eight and a half rushing yards per game. Then once he got a bit more comfortable, 
um, you know, he ran for 52 yards per game over his final seven start. So I think it's clear for him to be an effective NFL quarterback, he's going to have to run. So that's why th there's a ton of things I like about this market. Again, I'm not really a fan of betting overs, but as Freeman mentioned earlier in the podcast, the market has kind of factored that in. So I think there is some value on some of these overs and a QB rushing prop like this. Um, you know, I think there's greater than like a 60, 65% chance of going over. I'm projecting him closer to 600, 650 in this market. I love, I love this bet. Uh, and as Sean said, yeah, normally we don't like to go overs, uh, to go with the overs, but he's a little more optimistic of a person than I am. I'm bringing all unders to the show, but, <laughs> uh, I, if he, if he is going with the season long over, not, you know, looking at the futures market, looking, you know, like rookie to have the most yardage, but mm -hmm. at a pure over, uh, this is the one that I like the most out of any of them that I've seen. Uh, so kudos to Sean. And also, uh, I mean, yeah, this offensive line, like he is going to be scrambling. We have this ranked as the worst offensive line in our rankings at fantasy pros. And I honestly don't know if it's close. I mean, th I think this is the worst. I mean, that is that that is not great right there. And I was actually going to say it before you guys both brought it up, that offensive line being so bad is one of the great things to get you more of those scrambling yards. And you know he's going to be one of those running quarterbacks because, again, like you also said, the receiver room is not inspiring any confidence. The only hope that I have here is that you don't have Matt Nagy calling plays. That's always a nice thing to have. That's a good boost, which even gets you even better in that overmarket. Sean, we stick with you here. Give us prop number four. Oh, man. So I, I love this prop. It's Joe Burrow to lead the league in passing yards at 12 to 1. I feel like this is one of those props where at the end of the year we'll be like, wait, why was he 12 to 1 to lead the league in passing yards? Um, I mean, he really started to break out over the final five games last season. He ranked number one in like all the key metrics I look at for quarterbacks, which is why I backed the Bengals pretty much the entire uh, playoffs. Um, so he should be even better in year three. He has arguably the best trio, wide receiver trio in the NFL. And I actually think Hayden Hurst is going to be an upgrade over CJ Uzoma at tight end. I mean, he's a first round talent. Um, I think he's going to be really good this year. So plus you factor in the upgrade, the offensive line, it's going to give him even more time to throw. Uh, you know, to, to target T. Higgins and Jamar Chase downfield. So I just think we haven't seen Burrow's ceiling quite yet. It could be this season. And then when you look at the other quarterbacks at the top of this market that I would consider co-favorites, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, they all lost their number one target heading into this season. So I think you can lower their ceiling a bit. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, Freeman mentioned it, he's dealing with an elbow injury. It's not a big concern yet. But it is, you know, a potential concern. So I think just even Matthew Stafford, you could throw in that bucket of quarterbacks where there's reason to be a little bit more bearish on him heading into the season. So I think uh, given Burrow's been out with his, uh, you know, they pulled out his appendix, um, it's been kind of quiet with them. So he's kind of sneaky right now, uh, 12 to 1 to lead the re league in receiving yards. I just love his ceiling this year. I I mean, uh, throwing yards, not receiving yards, but oh, right? shit. passing yards. Yeah. All good. But uh, I, I was I was saying this on uh, last week's show. I was talking about the 49ers, but I brought up the point of I don't understand why people are targeting the Bengals so heavily for regression. On the one hand, I do get they absolutely played to their utmost ceiling last year as a team with what they had. But every move they've made this offseason, in my mind, has just been a massive upgrade for them. And this was a team that last year, even before the run, 
I was thinking they're going to be a contender next season. The one that we are now going into, they were, they were a candidate for me that was a one year away team. Yes, they could regress a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as much as a lot of people are saying that nine and a half win total is looking awful juicy to me for a team that I think is going to be one of the dominant forces in the league. Matt, do you agree with us or are we crazy? No, I, I like it, especially, and that's baked into the 12 to 1 odds. Like the downside in all of this is Zach Taylor is your head coach. That that feels yeah. like the downside. And maybe he goes with the run heavy approach that they used earlier in the season. Mm. But it, with 12 to 1 odds, like that is, that's baked into it. So uh, you're looking at the ceiling case, not the median case in this market. And the ceiling case is there for all the reasons that you guys laid out. Yeah, my I hope still- there. My, my hope there was that the reason that they were run heavy at the start of last year was just because they were really cognizant of that ACL and that hopefully this year they won't be as worried about an appendix. My dad got his gallbladder taken out and took a half day off work. I think Joe <laughs> Burrow should be just fine for week one. Matt, what is your next player prop here? Uh, you've got the 4-5 spot here, so there you go. You sure we shouldn't go back to Sean? Can I keep on making that mistake? Uh, okay. Uh, I, I've teased Traylon Burks long enough. Uh, I mean, Traylon Burks under 57 and a half receptions or, uh, you know, Traylon Burks under 725 and a half yards. Either way, like, I don't care. It, it's basically the same bet. I prefer under 57 and a half receptions. But honestly, if you just wanted to get down more money, you just bet on both of these bet the under on both of them uh 57 and a half receptions i have this projected at 51.3 uh draft kings minus 115 man in week two of the preseason burks uh he played five snaps with the first team but he was in a five-man rotation with nick westbrook akine racy mcmath that's not a name i made up that's the actual name of someone who was taking nfl snaps in the preseason that's, that's not a name that's a collection of words Right. Racy McMath. That it just it, it sounds fake. Uh Cody Hollister, uh, whose name also sounds fake, uh, and Kyle Phillips. Uh all of those guys had four to six snaps with the uh the first team in week two of the preseason. Like he can barely, he being Burks, can barely earn snaps when competing against these guys, let alone targets. Like based on what we have seen in the preseason. Burks isn't winning the positional battle, uh, and I fully expect him to open the campaign behind uh, Robert Woods as the number one receiver on the team. And like that is looking just at what we've seen in preseason games in action with the first team. That's not even taking into account all of the negative reporting that has surrounded Traylon Burks basically since he was drafted and reported to rookie minicamp. So I am I am very much down on Traylon Burks for this year. I think he has the talent, like the long-term talent, to be a guy who contributes maybe near the end of the season, year two, year three, but I don't think that's going to hit early enough for him to hit the over of 57 and a half receptions and over 725 and a half yards receiving. So I am very much taking the under. This doesn't feel to me like the negative reporting around Jamar Chase last year where everybody was going, oh, he can't catch a ball. What a terrible pick by the by, by the Bengals. This feels like it's got a lot more meat to me. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has a wide – we knew he had a wide range of outcomes when he was drafted, and unfortunately it looks like it's closer to the floor uh, than we realized. So I, I do like – and I, I agree with Freeman. Like long term, I'm not giving up on him. I think he could – finally figure it out, adapt. He's very talented. So I could see towards the end of the season, he's a hot name and fancy. But when we know, you know, out of the gate, out of the gate, he's probably going to be slow. That gives you a head start on these props. So yeah, I do like betting on his floor and taking the under on these. 
One more prop each, gentlemen, here. Matt, we start with you. Okay, there are two guys who are in very similar situations, and they were actually tied together last year. Uh, so I, I'm sort of like cheating and giving a little like two for one here. Uh, Albert Okuwebunam and Noah Fant, like under for, for both of these guys. Hats off for the name pronunciation. I think I maybe got it only 30% wrong, which I feel like is a pretty big win. You made um, an attempt flawlessly. It was the confidence with which it was delivered that sold me. Yeah, if I did it again, guaranteed, I would have a different pronunciation of the last name. It's a real <laughs> Kerner Corner type of situation going on with Albert O. No one really knows how to pronounce his name. Just Both call him Albert Corner. Part. Just call him Albert Corner. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going under for Albert O. I'm not going to talk about Fant, but I'll talk about Albert O. Mm. Uh, under 525 and a half yards receiving. So uh, Greg Dulcich, the third round rookie who was drafted by the Broncos, uh, he's missed weeks one and two with a hamstring injury. Uh, but even with that, Okwebunam's usage has been concerning. Right, All of the starters have rested for the Broncos, but Albert O has played. And the thing is, he's played and he hasn't dominated usage. So it's like you put those two things together and it's really concerning. And week one, he and Eric Tomlinson both played eight first team snaps. And then Albert O played all the way to halftime. Uh, that's really bad usage considering we want to see our starters get maybe a little bit of usage and then get like wrapped in bubble wrap and put on the sideline. Uh, and then in week two, he ran around on 80% of the first team dropbacks. That is good. That's encouraging. But then uh, he still played all the way into the fourth quarter and he played just 10 of 19 first team snaps. So that's bad. We have no idea what Dulcich's, what Dulcich's usage is going to look like in the regular season, but the way that they the team is treating Albert O right now and the, the way that they are talking about him as like someone who like needs to get more reps. Like that's what they're saying to justify why they're giving him more preseason playing time. That's not a good thing. That's not something you say about someone who is a locked in starter. And if Albert O is not a locked in starter, 525 and a half yards receiving feels way too high. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably staying away from this uh, prop just because Tim Patrick's injury does clear a path for Albert O to potentially be the number three target. But I do take Freeman's point. I think this is one of those props out there that there is a potential out where obviously every player, you know, if they get injured and miss time, the under is going to hit. But yeah, with Greg Dulcich, um, it's unclear how this is going to shake out. So there is potential um, that Albert O could get leapfrogged by him. So that's a potential out for the under. Uh, but either way, I'm probably just staying away because it seems like there's a wide range of outcomes, especially with Tim Patrick out that usually these I stay away. There is a wide range. I, I freely yeah. admit that. And I was I was very bullish on Albert O the moment right. that the Noah Fant trade happened. <laughs> I thought both of those guys would be freed, but they still find themselves right now. It looks like in tight end committees, which is really frustrating. I, I'm also just a little bit inclined to say that last year's rookie tight end fiesta, like there isn't always a Kyle Pitts there. A lot of these rookie tight ends do struggle a little bit with the physicality and speed of the NFL game at first in their careers. And it's like that second season where we start seeing these guys take off. I think that could come into play here as well. But yeah. Sean, what is your final pick here? 
So, yeah, so I like taking these long shot props because, um, you know, a lot of these props, you know, were limited. I don't like tying up money on, you know, 50-50 props. So I like swinging for the fences. This has to be my favorite prop uh, going right now, and it's Najee Harris to lead the league in rushing yards at 20-1. to 20-1, to are you kidding me? Uh, I just love the value we're getting here because he's entering year two. He's only 24 years old. Um, He's going to be able to handle another massive workload this season you know the Steelers attempted 664 passes last year which is fourth most in the league that had a lot to do with Big Ben just being ridiculously inefficient so either way I think they're going to be a little bit more balanced this year so we could see even more carries for Najee Harris Uh, plus he has almost zero competition for touches which which helps in a market like this the only thing you can kind of poke at is his 3.9 yards per carry last year which I'm putting the entire blame on the offensive line I'm not saying it's going to get better this year but just when it comes to projecting yards per carry it's a very fickle metric um, so that could bounce back the other other way this year I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up averaging you know 4.2 or 4, 4.3 yards per carry combined with his volume this year that makes him very viable in this market and just running backs in general are very fragile so if a Jonathan Taylor or Derek Henry were able to just miss one or two games and Najee were to play the whole season. I mean, he's going to be very, he's going to look very good in this market. So I just love the value we're getting uh, at 20 to one Najee Harris to lead the league in rushing yards. All right, Matt, any final thoughts on that? No, uh, I love it. I mean, 20 to one feels ridiculous for <laughs> a guy who has, I, I mean, I wouldn't say he's Derrick Henry. He's not, but right. who has like, like that Derrick Henry type of body and could probably sustain a really big usage. Like, I, I, yeah, there's value in 20 to one. I think the other benefit there is that he can sustain a really big usage while it won't also be the Derrick Henry body onslaught that inevitably leads to him getting hurt before the end of the season. It'll be that nice balance of you're getting a ton of yardage, but you're not necessarily getting all of the wear and tear that could lead you to getting sunk by a by by a late late season injury that just and you're right before the final push guys. It has been a pleasure having you on here, Sean, Matt, eh. But it was a great time. Thank you so much, Sean. Where can people find you and the great work that you're doing? You can find all my work at actionnetwork.com and you can find me on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. All right. And Matt, of course, you can find at Matt F. The Oracle. You can find me at TV at work. And guys, don't forget to follow at Betting Pros as well. Check out all of the awesome content that Matt is putting up each and every, each and every day, Matt. Uh, Yeah, at this point of the season, yeah, each and every day, unfortunately. Yep. We are right back to it, guys. Stick around for next week. We are going to be heading into the NFL regular season, which means it's going to be time to talk about some more futures predictions. Going to be having a great guest on for that one as well. You do not want to miss it. But in the meantime, gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for your time. And guys, let's cash some tickets.